This is going on on, that, on your website? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, last week, Aaron, you asked me, you had some questions for me about my life and about my faith and uh, sort of my, my process from a kid all the way to, you know, mm-hmm. being a middle-aged idiot. Uh, <laughs> no. So, uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, um, so now I have some questions for you, awesome. and I don't, uh, we, we kind of had some ground rules last week, but if anything gets to be too much, <laughs> just say no comment or, or next question. Um, but they're nothing crazy, it's just, you right. know, yeah, if you don't want to share, but. Explain uh, how your beliefs are wrong. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Explain. I don't want to lead you here, but. <laughs> exactly. What's it like to be wrong? Mm-hmm. Um, so. One of the, my biggest curiosities about you, uh, uh, because you're very, uh, like you think lots, you're very introspective, and you like to take things apart intellectually and put them back together, or just see how things work. And yeah, as a as a kid, did you were you were you asking big questions mm-hmm. when you were when you were a kid? Like, do you remember that being like something that was abnormal? Like, let's say at five or six. Uh, five or six. I don't know. Like, yeah, I mean, I was, I, I, I think I had a lot of big questions, but I mean, I experienced it in, 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 at the time, I think experienced it more on a, it was more of a primal, you know what I mean? Like I wasn't, I wasn't self-aware to the extent that I am now. Right. But when I think about myself as a kid, I was antisocial, um, up until grade six, my teachers were telling my parents that I was mentally handicapped because I didn't talk. Mm. Um, and I, I remember being in my head that whole time, just observing everything. Okay, so you, you were in your head, but it wasn't like you were thinking about the fact that you were in your head. Like you were kind of That's just right. doing it because... That's you, right, but yeah. I can remember the stuff that I was thinking about. Oh, really? And I do remember that my like my earliest memories were... Because we lived, um, you know, out in out out in the middle of nowhere. Basically, yeah. we, we were, you know, living in a in a cabin on a lake, in a forest in northern Canada, and I remember like I just did a I just did a, a like a blog post recently about uh, touching on this, but I I remember very much, you know, I heard of the concept of God and things like that from my parents, but, you know, like any kid, I didn't really, I didn't know what the words they were using meant. Right. So I kind of, you know, developed my own system of what the universe was and what everything was. And so I had my earliest thoughts, I remember being, um, what, what I was saying is deist thought, which is to say, I believe that there was this character named God who kicked everything off, made everything, the laws of the universe and whatnot that I was observing, you know, going down to the lake, right? uh, the sun and the moon and all these things. Um, and then just kind of let it, let it, let it go, you know, like, like a boat drifting off from shore or something. And that's, and, and so I had a lot of thoughts about that where I was always like wondering, like, 
how, because I, I remember early on hearing about evolution, hearing about um, how old the planet was, how old the universe was and things like that, and sort of trying to get it straight in my mind how this mm. all works, right? you know? And uh, I think because, for whatever reason, because those thoughts got into my head early on, it made me very awkward. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can relate to that because I remember um, I didn't recognize it in myself either. And I don't know if I had it, probably not as big a questions, but I remember always trying to figure out why and because I was emotionally sensitive to what was happening in a room yeah that I'd, I'd try to unpack that more than I would like big questions about the universe it was more like why is that person sad that's an adult that's an that's an aunt that I don't really know but yeah you know what's going on here yeah, yeah. but I remember um my youth leader when, when I was that age they had like four boys and the second oldest was like kind of always looking out the window or always kind of more quiet, but like a big hugger and like really sensitive. But, and so she said, the youth leader's wife, she said, um, oh, David, yeah, he's, he's thinking big thoughts. He's an old soul. It reminds me of you. And I was like, what, what does she mean by that? And then I right. asked my mom and she said, oh yeah, like that's, I know what she means that like you, and this isn't pat myself on the back. It's just a personality trait. Like I was very oh, absolutely. introspective and, and sort of emotionally driven and all that. But so in, yeah. your, in your house, when you talk about the words, like, you know, you weren't sure exactly what the words right. meant in, in your house at that age, like de developmentally, like your early memories, like four or five, yeah. six, was there like, did you guys, was your family religious at that point? Like, did you guys have the Bible stories? Like, did you have Noah? Did you have David and Goliath? Was it the thing that was like... Well, that's the thing. Like, my parents, they wanted to live off the land because, as I understand it, <clears throat> like, as I understand, my dad had all kinds of, like, fantasies of being, I think, like, uh, Davy Crockett or uh -huh. something. But that was also mixed up in the fact that he was kind of part of the counterculture the hippie counterculture in the late 60s um psychedelics etc etc and then when he got together with my mom they kind of joined in on the jesus freak um revivalist movement of the mid 70s okay so right? there and then by the time i came along i was born in 78 they got married in 77 so all this Jesus freak stuff was happening probably 75, 74. So they were, they were already Christians before you were born? <laughs> they were. My mom grew up in the Mennonite church, so oh, okay. she considered herself a Christian to begin with. Whereas my dad, he was a Jehovah's Witness before, before oh, becoming a Jesus freak. He was like a Jehovah's Witness hippie who did all kinds of things Jehovah's Witnesses weren't supposed to be doing. But, right, right. Uh, I, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a story that's all muddled in my mind. I don't really know what the truth is, to be honest. But, um, like, I don't know the order of the narrative. Right. But I do know that by the time I was conscious of what was going on, we weren't part of a church. Um, the, you know, the so-called revival that occurred in the late mid to late 70s had kind of fizzled out in Flimflon, Creighton area. Okay. And it had fizzled out and kind of, I guess there was a lot of like, that went from all of the churches being like united to a certain degree and like, like Salvation Army people going to the Mennonite church and Mennonite mm. people going to the Catholic church and da 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 
to uh, everybody kind of broke up into their own groups. Nobody talked to each other again. And there was only a few churches that kind of connected. And then mm. the Mennonite church where my parents were going, um, which was the church of my mom's childhood, um, apparently there was some kind of a leadership a forced leadership change and they brought in people that didn't buy into the revivalist stuff okay. to kind of shut it down really? and then my parents left and so by the time I came along they weren't part of any church their Christianity in terms of the religious aspect the overt aspect was quite suppressed from my perspective um, like how so? Like today, was it? Just, they just wasn't talked about as much, oh, okay. right? Like okay. I remember them singing like hippie-ish um, Christian songs. Like uh, there is this one song, "They will know that we are Christians by our love." Mm -hmm. I remember them singing songs like that and this little light of mine and things. Yeah. Because my dad had a had a uh, acoustic guitar with like this hippie thick colorful multicolored strap and you know and yeah. but at the same time you know my dad was like you know smoking cigars and pipe and cigarettes right. and and um he was as much into just self-sufficiency and keeping his head down building this farm and yeah. all that kind of stuff as he was um anything like overtly Christian at this mm. point. So it was, I would say that there were a few friends of his though that were a little bit more connected to church and through them and their kids, I sort of caught wind of their, you know, religious affiliations. I heard my first parable, which I talked about last time, was the the lost sheep right. um, on a cassette tape that one of my dad's friend's kids brought out to our cabin so you with other kids i know you guys are fairly isolated but you go to school and there's other things going on with kids were, were most kids church kids or were you were you no. guys different like did you do you remember a distinction between you and other kids in terms of being the distinction was more um us being out of towners and everybody oh, okay. else being townies right um, more than a religious thing yeah because again until i was like maybe eight eight or nine, I don't remember. I, I don't remember even knowing what religion was. Mm. Yeah, because it's just part of your yeah your story up to that point, right? Like yeah, I mean, know. we did at the time, and there was like the, it was the Lord's Prayer in O Canada. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, right, right. right. In, in school, so, right. so it was like everybody had kind of a religious practice kind of. No, and most people in small towns, it was weird. It was, it was more weird back then if you didn't go to church. Like, yeah. in my experience, anyways, even if you were, like, a nominal Christian, you went to church on Sunday. It was part of, kind of, the fabric of those small communities. Uh, yeah. That's where people, like, like if people needed a barn raised, it was, it was the church, you know, all the churchmen came over and raised the barn, or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, I just, I, I don't know. It was, it's hard for me to, to picture whether that was even part of the, the difference, but I do remember that we were different, and... Part of it, I think, was that, um, you know, my parents' spirituality from the 70s was couched in a lot of, like, you know, rapture theology mm -hmm. and stuff like that. 
and they fully expected back in the 70s that the world was going right. to end by yeah, the 1980s was, or something. Yeah. And and I just I kind of have my I kind of ask myself I I wonder to myself whether we were living isolated because of some of that some of that paranoia mm -hmm. about society. I don't know that for a fact, yeah, it'd be interesting but to it wouldn't to shock me because my first experience with hearing scriptures that weren't parables involved um, end times theology yeah. and the, the beast and Antichrist and all of that stuff. Yeah. And I just remember it was the creepiest stuff. Oh, ever. yeah. Like you, it was a kind of a, it was, if I had to compare it now, it's like it would be like watching a fantasy movie sort of like these these yeah. beast creatures and like the four horsemen and all these different things that you heard about that was like like yeah it was yeah i remember being it just it felt like listening to somebody talk about the lord of the rings without yeah. without frodo and yeah but having it be like a real thing that was yeah <laughs> it'd be interesting to talk to your parents about this some at some point yeah um so fast forward to like 10 or 12 years old who who are your heroes 10 or 12 years old um, I guess if I was asked, I might have said things as goofy as like Luke Skywalker and, or, uh, Superman or maybe, maybe some, Jones. maybe some actors. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that's goofy it. at that age. It's sort of a... Yeah. a I think it's important to have those heroes actually at that age. The, the qualities that you're looking for, Luke. Yeah, Luke's and my dad to... for sure. Also. Oh really? Yeah, that yeah, was my like dad a... because I definitely looked up to my dad because he was a super hardworking person. Mm -hmm. He had motorbikes. Uh, yeah. You know, he he was yeah a very hardworking guy. I I don't mean that in the sense of just sort of like hardworking at his official job but i also saw you know him building barns you can't live off the land if you're lazy yeah like he just won't no right like that's he was ripped back then yeah 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 i remember i mean i think every boy does unless it's kind of you know not a good situation but your dad's sort of this huge figure in your life and you see him like doing all these things that you're not strong enough to do yet or you know all these staying up late and everything yeah it's it's interesting yeah. As an aside, you know Luke Skywalker. I don't think you said that was goofy. And I know I know what you mean, but I, I think it's interesting to me because I used to think it was about you know th that he's a Jedi and he has the Force and all that kind of stuff. But really, at that age, you could really relate to someone that was chosen out of obscurity. Mm -hmm. Like he's you know he wants bigger things, and all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, it's like, oh, you are born for something better. Yeah, nice. and the and the 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 whininess that we perceive now as adults looking back. Yeah, I think as kids we looked at that and we were like, I feel that way. Oh, totally. Yeah, I completely. I never thought he was whiny at all when I was a kid. So, um, speaking of which, maybe this is jumping ahead too much, but yeah. do you that feeling of being chosen or that you're born for a purpose? Does is that part of your theology? Is that is that a big part of your theology? Currently? Yeah. Or or even, like, let's say, like, you know, at those years when you're trying to figure out, like, 17, 18, when you're trying to figure out who you are and what you're going to do with your life. Yeah, Is I don't know. Is that part of your life? 
I don't, I guess I define that chosen kind of theology a little different than maybe the language on the surface would indicate. <laughs> so, like how, yeah, how so? How so? Well, first of all, for me to, to think of myself as chosen as opposed to you uh, is really offensive to me. Right. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Right? And so that's kind of the conclusion I came to, I think, in my 20s, that there was something wrong with that mm -hmm. angle, right? But there, there have always been a lot of theologies that sort of looked at it like we're technically all chosen. Mm -hmm. um, but it's a question of whether or not we accept that uh, what's the word? Uh, almost like if you were royalty or you were a prince or something, but didn't know it. Oh, okay. And you came along and, oh, I guess I'm a prince. I guess I'll do princely things right, now. Right, um, Is 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 another way of understanding it. Um, definitely, like, there's a lot of, what is it, reform or... Like Calvinism is very much, they're very much on this idea of like, no, like God literally uh, picked Aaron Monroe from the rest. Yeah. Well, probably not because I don't agree with them. But <laughs> <laughs> according to their, th their theology, it wouldn't matter if you agree with them or not. Yeah. But yeah. when it comes to, on the other hand, uh, sort of a, a converse concept, though, in, in that sense, I'm talking about my beliefs around what's called soteriology or salvation theology, right? I don't believe that my salvation is chosen uh, any more than yours is. Right. Um, however, what I do see as being destiny-based or whatever would be um, jobs or paths mm -hmm. in the sense of... Um, like spouse, kids, like... Well, I guess the more concrete would be that a prophet or uh, a or or Christ or th these historical biblical figures if I believe the Bible that by default I kind of have to believe that they were chosen for specific purposes, right? Yeah. But that doesn't make them that doesn't make them um superior human beings per se it just makes their function right unique if that makes any sense no it totally does and actually i remember thinking there's that saying you know like the beautiful unique snowflakes that we're all snowflakes and i was like well yeah we're all beautiful and unique just like everybody else but really it doesn't <laughs> take away from how special that is now my mind mindset has shifted a bit in terms of like you know i, I don't know that we're called to any destiny but one question I have for you, and I don't want to go too far down the, yeah. the rabbit hole, but um, you know, there's a there's a scripture about some some pots are are for common purpose, some are for um, mm. glorious, and so like if you think about, let's say when when Mary was alive and yeah. right, so her next door neighbor or there's someone else in her village that kind of just was born and lived and died. Mm -hmm. You know, was she any less special? Is there something that, um, you know, like some people need to be that. Like not everybody can be special in the way that we would that we describe it. Um, right. And so, 
like do you think people just don't answer their 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 call or is it just sort of some people's lives are just meant to be what they are in terms well, of like with Mary for example if you're looking at that I think I think we as moderns we make this like we I think we maybe it's not just moderns but we tend to look at okay if it's any indication from the kinds of spam I get on Twitter mm-hmm. there's a lot of demand or appetite for people wanting to get rich and people wanting to be popular right and a divine calling or uh, setting aside of a person's life for a specific task doesn't indicate that they're better doesn't indicate right. it doesn't even indicate that their life is better or that their situation is better it does indicate that it's it's special in a way that is singular right so, so, so it's kind of like saying okay um is bill gates a more important person than mike fisher i right. would say no but yeah. he is a more important person to computers right i agree with you that's the same kind of conclusion i've come to is it really all comes down to worth so if mary was chosen yeah. for that purpose well, see, that's the thing, right? Like, some people, they think that she was chosen because she was worthy, whereas right. Right. most Christian theology would say, no, she was just chosen because. Yeah, or, I mean, maybe she was worthy, but there's, like, like, like a million other women that would have been, right? Like, it's not right. like she was the only one on earth. But it does, for me, it comes down to worth, our perception of worth. So, if you're born to be the, yeah. the mayor of New York, or you're born to be someone that works at a, at a subway station in New York... To me, their their value is like exactly equal, as like a baseline worth, like in terms of, of you yeah. know, being born and their purpose in terms of the greater sense. Yeah, now, and I think that like like for example, in in Christianity, Judaism, and Islam, I don't know much about the other faiths of the world. This there's this idea of inherent worth or mm-hmm. divine worth or the image of God or something along those lines, right? Yeah, and. Yeah, so I mean that's the starting point is that regardless of function, yeah, regardless of status in human society, uh, I mean this is where where Judeo-Christian religion gets its idea of at least from an ethical standpoint of why murder is wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you have no right to snuff out that person's life they are of equal worth to you right and for me on a personal level it makes it a whole lot easier to love other people when you just firmly grasp onto that idea that we're all born with that inherent worth so yeah even someone even a friend that annoys you that you love to like someone that's just rude to you in a parking lot it's it for me it's it's made a big difference in terms of like just believing that there is that like baseline worth that everyone has their and it's also it's also a function of like, what point in the timeline are you observing this different right. function or this chosenness from, right. right? So if you happen to be living alongside a person like Mary, there's a lot more chance that you're going to be jealous, that you're going to mm-hmm. be questioning why she has the right to this special purpose or whatever. Uh, whereas if you're looking at it now... In hindsight, you can kind of go, well, just, uh, you know, you could say things like, well, right place, right time, or, yeah, you know, or, or whatever. Yeah, for me, like, sometimes it's like, why, 
wouldn't necessarily want it. Like, maybe I'd want to just be the person that, that lived next to her that, like, had normal kids. You know what I mean? Right. Like, like, who knows? But so one one question I have that kind of sprouts out of that is... Sure. Do you think we're born with that innate desire to be special, chosen? Like, do you think that's a, that's a godly thing, or that's just a human quality that we have to be? Or do you think... Do you think... First of all, I guess, do you think that we all possess that? And if so, do you think it's something that we're just born with as humans, or something that's, that is like a... a a spiritual connection that's trying to reach out to something greater. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I mean, it's, I think that you're having difficulty wording it because it is such a nebulous it is. thing. But yeah. uh, generally speaking, I think that it's, it is a pretty universal thing. Um, what it speaks to or what it means, I couldn't tell you with any certainty, but... I would speculate you, that yeah. it is a it is a function of a function of relational uh, damage or brokenness or spiritual um, vision problems, so to speak. Okay, and this idea that. And this is where sort of the the mythos around the fall comes in, which I don't believe I don't believe that the poem at the beginning of Genesis explains a literal event exactly. I think certain aspects of it are literal, but I don't know what right mm. What I do think is not in much debate is this idea that um are that this self-awareness that we as human beings live with uh, comes with some huge problems. And as soon as we become aware of being individual human beings, our relationships with each other get a little bit screwed up in some ways. And so I think it's, it's a... It's, it's a in part, a healthy desire to have that brokenness mended. So between the person and the divine and between people and each other, between people and their, and the world, uh, and between you and yourself. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I, I like. I, yeah. I, yeah. My emphasis would be, would be more on other people and, and that sort of connection that you can find. Sure. But I agree that there's that's something in there that like, n- no one's born to just be alone. Like, and it's it's actually right. like a real big trend or or like, society has sort of gone that way, especially with males and fr- like older friendships. Like once you're past like say thirty. Yeah. I read an article today about that. That you know, like our tendency is just to sort of have a spouse and then sort of see your buddies like five times a year mm. and and it's just not good not for good anybody. for you no 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 yeah. no, no. Yeah. and i think we've talked about that male yeah need for male friendship and stuff yeah. but i think it's super important yeah. but um yeah i think the other the other piece and again i'm not i'm not being very clear in this but i see uh that i see the positive part of that wanting to be chosen wanting to be special that is the positive part that I think it indicates is this desire to not be broken. 
this desire to not have all these relationships with the things and um, uh, 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 whatever around us. Like temporary things? Maybe? Well, well, that's another piece of my theology that okay. we might get into at some point. But I, I don't really believe in that temporaryism concept. I think that's an evangelical construct, partly. But okay. anyways, uh, what I'm getting at is that the, the downside, of course, is egotism. The downside is... Uh, um, um, better than... Just exploiting that that yeah. desire and sort of saying yeah. I am chosen yeah I am more special or on the other side for me of the spectrum is getting into like let's say a, a really codependent relationship because you're looking for someone else to, to like really fix every part of that brokenness right or every part of that desire to be like loved and chosen and special yeah and like and that's why I thought it was really interesting and, and positive for me that you included y yourself like not Aaron but the universal like fixing you or connecting yeah. with you because there is that part that like people like to speak in these grand black and white sort of big clear-cut ideas like you can't find love until you love yourself completely and it's like i don't know whose life is that like well defined or, or like you know that compartmentalized but i think there's you can go a long ways towards then i guess you are freaking screwed well that's the thing that's just, yeah. <laughs> you can you can go a long ways towards accepting yeah. and loving yourself but there's always going to be a part of you that wants someone else to, to love you like yep. in, unless you're like a sociopath and i don't mean uh, that in a, in a negative way but like unless you have that part of you that's it's broken. a complex matrix yeah right? exactly and so when uh, people say these things like you know like well like what i just said it sort of it puts a burden on people that i don't think is great you know i think yeah. i think you find connection wherever you can and sometimes it's you sometimes it's good friends and that's yeah. why i like the idea um i don't know if i've ever told you but the like that's on my the tattoo on my right arm is agape and it, oh really? It, yeah, and it was a wedding cool. present, which is kind of ironic. Now, but <laughs> but, it, but I, I love the idea of all kinds of love. That you know, friendship can be just as mm. beautiful as as romantic love or or mm -hmm. godly love, and I think it's all kind of wrapped up. But and um, agape is unique because it it doesn't demand reciprocation. Yes, it's just like a pure like outpouring. Yeah, yeah. I really like the idea. So didn't work out so well for my marriage but that, but that's why we, that's why honestly she, we talked about getting like she wanted me to get her name and i was like i'm not doing it i'm just not doing it because you just never know and honestly that's like how it worked out so um so okay let's let's like, move on to some other questions because i want to get to some of these um so did you guys moving into being like a teenager then did you guys go to church at that point um I was probably nine or ten when we first started uh, flirting with going to church. Okay. Um, and then maybe by the time I was twelve, we were kind of regularly going. And is that something that you enjoyed at that age? Yes, or was it like but, a... um, to a certain extent, I did. I know I fell asleep during every sermon. Uh, and of course I expect my children to never do that. <laughs> um, uh, I, I remember like, I remember like a lot of time spent gnawing on the pews. Mm -hmm. Um, Sunday school was decent, but again, even at the church, there was this sense that we were kind of outsiders and it was mm -hmm. probably a lot just in my head. 
you know? Yeah. But I felt that sort of like, I don't know what the other kids are talking about. Right, right. A yeah, lot. Yeah, that makes sense. Has, has, that, has that echoed into your adult life, those feelings from, from of not being like... Part of I would say up until a few years ago, it was still a pretty dominant feeling. It, it was a dominant thing until I started to just say, screw it, I'm going to make friends, I don't care if this is how they view me. Mm. And because so, I, I had this common sense to realize that it was probably just ghosts of the past. It was probably just some kind of So that's echo. what shifted there. You just started like, yeah, yeah this just, is, screw it. Yeah, this has been I'm going to go out of my way. I'm going to push past my introversion and try and make a few connections, yeah. you know. And um and of course it's never as scary or as weird no, as No, 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 no. And I remember telling Carla and and Kimball and and Jay and different people I discovered something and they're like, what? And I'm like, I know how to make friends. Not yeah. that I didn't have friends, but it was like friends before was you're a musician. Oh, I'm a musician. Let's start a band. Right. There was that common. Like... It had, yeah. It was like, it was safer for me to do it around, uh, some kind of work. Yeah. In fact, like when I, so when I came back from Calgary after I got divorced, a lot of my church friends didn't, you know, didn't understand and it was kind of awkward at, at best it was awkward at worst it was like they didn't want anything to do with me because I was divorced or because I probably wasn't that I mean it probably wasn't that clear-cut I probably wasn't that fun to be around but then but then yeah. and obviously my real friends stuck through it with me and I knew who they are now or I know who they are now and they'll be friends for life yeah. but um so my, my group of friends really dwindled and I remember thinking like I gotta make new friends not to replace the ones I still had but I, you know, it went from like a, you know, I, I, I well, even just for your own mental health. Totally, right? but yeah. I, but I was so damaged and so just broken from that experience that I thought like no one wants to be around me. I mean, that's the way I felt. Yeah. For, you know, because I'm told that every day for months and months. Um, but I remember at the comic store, my friend Donnie worked there, and we we really bonded over the show uh, Lost. Oh yeah. And so. Because I'd go in there and just, I'd go in and check out the toys at the comic store and then leave. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I was just like, so in my own head. Right. But I remember, you know, we took a little conversation up and we talked about Lost and we talked about Parks and Recreation and certain shows we both liked. And then one day he asked me to go out for wings and you honestly, you would have thought that he asked me to like get married. Like I was so nervous and, and... Hmm. just like afraid and anxious to go and just make a new friend you know and it wasn't because he was like some big like you know i didn't idolize him or anything like that but because he worked there because i didn't know him but it just was a new friend that I, and it it scared me because we could talk really well you know because you're like well this is going to be something where we're, we're gonna you know we're gonna have a real conversation i know we are because we could talk really easily and we did we went for wings and we talked for i think probably two or three hours but I remember, like, just, it's it's difficult, that thing, especially if you're not doing well, to kind of rise above that anxiety. And that can be really tough. So as an yeah. adult, it actually is a, a pretty, pretty, it can be a complicated skill to have. Because it's sort of like, what do you do? Go up to somebody and say, would you like to be friends? But then you think, no, Mike, you, you go up to somebody and you say, would you like to come to this thing that, that's happening at this place? Yeah. And then you sort of see how it goes. You know, but it's, it is tricky when you're an adult, like... 
there's all kinds of barriers up and, and yeah and it but it is also funny like you say like especially after you go through traumatic relational thing you become like hypersensitized or something to body oh, language and, yeah. and everything and, and oh, he it's like, like me. everything's a personal oh, attack right yeah, yeah. Well, he looked he looked to the right five times when i was talking because he's yeah. bored he doesn't want to be here i'm just gonna end the conversation so then i'm acting like a super weirdo because it's like i yeah. just stopped my conversation halfway through right but yeah that anyways. was that was me after like my band understated broke up because oh, really? i just started like I felt rejected. I felt all kinds of emotions that probably had nothing to do with the way anybody else in the band felt. Right, but that's in your head, that was like a very real thing. And it was like probably a good year before mm. I started to get past all of that. Yeah. Do you remember a distinct moment in your adulthood where you think, where you remember thinking when you go to make a new friend or you start to get close with somebody, you, you think this could go south, but it's worth it. Like it's worth it to mm -hmm. try, mm -hmm. and and risk. I mean, and it's not a new concept, but to me, I remember I remember having like a year or two in there where it was like a defining moment of like, because I made probably like let's say twenty new friends at the comic store, mm -hmm. and then slowly whittled it down to like six. So those other yeah. fourteen people, we had to go through that moment where we both were like, yeah, I don't see enough in you that I like wanna. And before that, and it's not a big deal with not. those sorts of people, right? Because no. it's like yeah, there's nothing really clicking here it's yeah. you know we've tried and it's bump bump yeah bump. and again there's that inherent worth it's just that you don't yeah. really connect in the way that you'd like to yeah but that rejection before would have like devastated me because i, I would have yeah. taken it as more than what it was meant to be that we just didn't connect it would have taken like no i'm not worth it i'm not you know i'm yeah and yeah. i'm like i'm learning like even with um with i don't know so many spheres this skill has helped you know because Emotional flooding has been something that's been an issue for me right. for years. This, like, as an introverted person, it's really easy for me to get, like, overstimulated, essentially, and just go into my shell. Right. But what prevents that is having different sort of, like, flotation devices. And one of those flotation devices is having friends that are pretty dependable, that I can count right. on, or that I know they're going to care about X right? when 90% of the people I know are just going to be like, whatever. Anyway, So when you're tempted to go into your bubble... Then I just reach sort of, out for sort of one of those like lifelines and, like, and I'm like, oh man, this is bugging me, blah, right. blah, 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 blah. And that person reciprocates in some way. Yeah. And then it's just kind of... Yeah. You know? Yeah. It just and, gives you that little, like, enough to break that. Yeah. 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 And so in a way, it's so funny that... Like, I don't really know much about the technical aspects of psychology, but just sort of like how that emotional flooding in a way for me was a type of egotism in the sense that I believed my own internal struggles were so important that I couldn't uh, reach out because right. that would make me vulnerable. But right. it was that vulnerability which was the thing that helped me to get afloat again there's so much it sounds really trite but there's so much power and vulnerability yeah but it's so scary or it can be but at some point you sort of I, the one thing i really do enjoy about getting older is you sort of stop caring like like yeah like either like me or don't but i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you who i am like obviously yeah. that you get deeper with certain friends but in terms of my basic like anything from a band i like that isn't popular that people would think is stupid <laughs> 
all the way down to like my faith yeah. or like what I believe yeah. about certain things. I just don't care. I'm going to say it. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I mean, pot- potentially or hopefully as you're getting older, you're mellowing, you are developing better coping mechanisms yeah. and you're learning how to approach people in a way that's healthy for you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's, it's funny cause it, it, you, you end up with much better relationships yeah. better than when you were trying to control it. And yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, clearly it's not happening that way for everybody. Yeah. And probably I'm, I'm guessing because they're just not leaning into it. Yeah. No, and that, you know, that is they, a choice. Maybe it's not something they even see as necessary. Maybe no. they like the chaos. Maybe they dig in. Yeah. Yeah. The other way, I mean. So, okay, but I'm, I'm still kind of curious as like a, <laughs> a teen. Yeah. Like, were you in a youth group? Was it like a big thing in your life? Or was it sort of like, okay, Sunday we go... No, I, I hated like, youth group in okay. the Mennonite in the Mennonite church. We went to this place called the the uh, Northern Fellowship Chapel in Creighton. Very small um, community, um, very uh, m- mellow, uh, conservative uh, youth group. I found awkward because it was a lot of people who were like clicky, and because I wasn't a townie. I had no idea what they were talking about. They always had like sort of like an inside language, right. a way of talking about how they would get away with different bad things mm. um, and talk about those things openly in front of the pastor and stuff. Right. And I didn't, I didn't understand what they were talking about, but I understood enough about it to feel like a bit dirty about whatever was going on. Yeah. And all that weirdness, I was just like, I, would, I was always telling my parents I would rather not go. Yeah. You know, so this was right up until about the age of 15. And that's when I had my, you know, conversion experience. And that's when we left that church over a issue. They wouldn't baptize us. So oh, really? a Pentecostal pastor from Thompson was coming through. My dad's friend, Roy Billick, was involved in the Blimplon Pentecostal Assembly. And he said, oh, yeah, so-and-so from Thompson, he's coming through. He'll baptize your kid. In fact, the weird thing is that the same night that I had my experience, my brother and my sister did as well. Yeah, I want to know. So, what, what, was, was, your, what was your what was your experience of conversion? Um, it's 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 a bit of a mixed bag. Like we talked about your experience at camp, and mine was, you know, my dad went from like I say, caring more about maybe hunting and, and sighting in his rifles and fishing and, and hard work and all of these things. And, you know, arguing, I remember him arguing with the pastor of the Mennonite church about the Holy Spirit all the time. Oh, really? And I had no friggin' clue yeah. what the Holy Spirit was and what he was going on about. Right. Right? Because in the Mennonite church, they don't really emphasize no. that. Anyways, um... So we went from this sort of nominal, whatever it was, religious life in our family to my dad coming home and saying, okay, everybody, I want to take you guys to this evangelist that's coming through town. And he packed everybody up. Just It was in the middle of the summer. And we went to the basement of the Victoria Inn, I think, in Flimflon. It's like this hotel and bar. Okay. And... Uh, 
think the bar there is called the Unwinder. Yeah. And anyways, we went into the hotel. Of course it is. <laughs> the hotel <laughs> lobby, and we went downstairs, and it was creeping me out because, like, almost anything in the city kind of creeped me out a little bit, unless I was with my my dad, right? Oh, okay. And it was just that, that like isolationism and the unfamiliarity yeah familiarity so then to go into a building i'd never been into and go straight into the basement right knowing that this was like where all the bad people hung out yeah exactly that would be the i was like what are we doing yeah so there was this this is the mixed bag that i'm talking about there's a little bit of psychology going on that was a little weird like i was definitely yeah. i was i was off i was right. like i was like I was not on all fours, so to speak, you know? And, uh, so we got in there and it was like an uber, uh, uh, Pentecostal or charismatic. What, what, what is, what does Laura Lee always call it? <laughs> oh, she has a funny term, but anyways, so, you know, like they were speaking in tongues and people being slain in the spirit and the whole, the whole ball of wax and I'd never seen anything like that before but so that I remember being incredibly scared of like very scared of that because it was yeah. totally outside my wheelhouse yeah. and it was you know and I would rather not be around people at that point in time right so that was weird so what I did find my brain doing is like zooming in on what the preacher was talking about. Oh, okay. So I could, I could ignore of all of this stuff, right. which was just right. utter chaos to me. Right. But for whatever reason, it was important to my dad for us to be here. So I was like, okay. But he spoke, he sh shared the story from Mark Five about the woman with the hemorrhage or the issue of blood is the thing. I'm guessing that what that meant is that she was having like some kind of constant menstruation mm -hmm. or something. And the way that he, you know, he spoke like a charismatic preacher. It was very loud, very dramatic, a lot of body movement and whatnot. But Honestly, up until that point, I don't remember ever really cluing into this idea that Christians actually believed that Jesus was alive or present. Oh, okay. I just sort of, I honestly thought that he was a historical figure right. that we were to admire. Right. That's it, about it. Yeah, which makes sense, especially if you didn't know at that point much about the spirits and how that, mm -hmm. how, how that all connected, right? Yeah, so... This, it was all very new to me that this preacher was indicating that, you know, the same Jesus that this woman touched is, is alive or is present to you now and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it was your, your typical um, evangelical altar call kind of scenario and um, lo and behold... Um, I felt like going up and so did my brother and my sister. I don't remember my, my parents telling us to go. Mm. I don't remember us looking at each other and saying, hey, you go, I'll Are go. Gonna, it was yeah. just, each of us had sort of a similar response to it. Um, I was 15, my sister was 13, my brother would have been 11. 
Um, we, like my sister, I think her experience since then has been a little bit more even than my brother and I. My brother and I have had similar experiences. My brother, I think he's just had like points in time where he's just kind of felt like a nominal Christian. Mm. Um, but uh, he's had lots of health issues. He's got MS now. And oh, right. So, but anyways, I don't, I don't really know uh, precisely what it's turned out like for them because we don't talk a lot. So looking back for you, do you, do you, like, is it a po I mean, is it a positive thing? Yeah. I mean, it's hard to say, I don't want to just, that's, that's too, that's too much of a blanket uh, statement. No, no, no. I don't think it is. I mean, I, I think that it was a positive thing. Um, but I look at it kind of like not much different than if I happen to have like, I see it as, like, we were talking last week about how some of your friends thought that, like, you know, any way to get people in mm -hmm. the door, you know, kind of thing, and how that was kind of a evangelical's tendency towards accepting kind of a Machiavellian yeah. justification for any, you know, any method. And I see it now, in hindsight, I, I feel that some of that stuff is legit, or at least not disingenuous. Yeah. And some of it is um, highly manipulative. Yeah. So that's that's how I look at it from now. I, I would never condone what happened that night. I would never encourage it. I would probably never participate in it again. But you However, what where it ultimately led me, which took decades, right, was a very different place than where it initially led me. Which, in a sense, I mean, you're kind of you know, we're kind of making the case for those people, right? Because it's sort of the ends did justify the means. Like, it, or, or do you feel like that? Like, in, in my no, mind... I, no, I don't. I okay. feel I feel kind of like it's, it's me saying, oh, yeah, I did LSD in the 60s and uh, stopped doing it in the 70s and, you know, it's part of my journey. That's but, how but I look at it. Do I don't think... look at it as being a a positive or a negative, really. It's positive in the sense that it's part of my story and I embrace it. Right. But it's negative in the sense that there was also a lot of baggage. That yeah, came same with for me. It. Like, do you? But do you feel like that's something that, like, theologically, that that God would have set, that? set up or used or whatever? Um, set up, I don't know, but used, yes. Um, because I personally believe that um, God uses everybody on the planet for different things. Yeah. Like, I, uh, in the sense that I, I get that from the theology of, like, St. Peter has this theology of, uh, you know, governing, like, rulers and whatnot of countries being important and, yeah. and God sort of like shaping history with various leaders whether they believe in in, in God or not right. right um and so in that sense I think that yeah I think I can believe that God used it as a catalyst for something else ultimately um the experience itself of being saved 
I, f- I don't point to that as, as like I think like I went through this thing recently. Our, our mutual uh, acquaintance, Jay, you know, my pastor. He is a prof for a Pentecostal online college in Edmonton, even though he's a Lutheran, right? Mm. And he's ordained as a Lutheran minister. He grew up Lutheran, but he, I think he went through a Pentecostal Bible college at some point okay. in his, his journey. Um, I was considering going there just to take a, I, I really, I just wanted to take a, a, what do they call it? word always slips my mind but you know hermeneutics and uh uh yeah it'll come back to me yeah but basically interpretation right right and uh i just kind of wanted to hone my skills a little bit and um but part of that required me to sort of say when i got saved and that whole thing and it had been like literally a decade since I'd had somebody ask me that and care. Yeah. Because in the Lutheran church and and any mainline church, it's not about the experience an individual has. It's about the, it's about the belief, both individual and collective that God has reached out and has provided a means of healing and salvation and so on. And so the onus is not on the individual, it's on God. And not on that experience. That it's, like it's, yeah, it's on God goodness. to figure it out for us. It's on right. God to come to us. Right. Um, and we simply respond with worship or whatever. So that's where I'm at now. I'm not, right. I don't, if I was to, if somebody said, oh, hey, I want to become a Christian, I wouldn't roll out the, the sinner's prayer. I wouldn't. That's just not how I would do it. I would say, okay, well then, let's um, let's go to church on Sunday together. Let's let's talk. Let's maybe pray together. Right. You mean the sinner's prayer? No, let's do the Lord's prayer. To me, it's it's more about the traditional initiation. The concepts of okay, well then, be baptized. Right. Um, do this, do that, and you will be transformed. That's my belief. No, I, so, I agree with you. And to, to, to like dumb it down or sort of make it like ridiculously symbolic would sort of be like, you know, at the comic store, we can sell a trade to somebody once and lie and say it's really good, even though it's horrible. No, that's not a good example. Sorry. It's sort of, it's sort of, sorry. That's Wait a second, the metaphor yeah, ends it, there. It, it breaks down. <laughs> Uh, what, I, what I mean is, like, you, you want it to be... You don't want to trick somebody into becoming a Christian. Like, right. oh, you're ready tonight? You're feeling like... like let's say they, they yeah. just found out that their spouse was cheating on them. Or, like, they found out... They, they, they thought they were gonna they had cancer and they didn't. And it really made them reevaluate. It's like, well, you better jump on it. You better, like, have them say the sinner's prayer and commit their life to, to Jesus and then sort of deal with whatever afterwards. Yeah, as I call opposed it to like, flaky spirituality. Yeah, and I agree with you. I mean, I yeah. mean, I, I don't... I mean, my questions go even further than that, but it, but I, I agree with you that, that like, that sort of feels dishonest and, and, and yeah. uh, well, not to always me, in the best interest yeah, of the person. Yeah, to me, it's it's more... I Like, I... Obviously, I believe that Christian spirituality is 
the correct one or the superior mm -hmm. one. I'm, you know, I'm not going to yeah, deny well, no, that no. that's what I believe. That's well, what, that's what I believe. Yeah. Even though I can see, uh, I can see things that I can get behind in Judaism. I can right. see things I can get behind in Islam and Buddhism and Hinduism yeah. and all these different faiths. And there are lots of things I've gleaned from those faiths. Right. But at the end of the day, the reason I'm saying I like this or that or the next thing is because I'm looking at it through a Christian spirituality lens to begin with. Right. I'm sort of cherry picking. Oh, hey, that reminds me of X. Right. Um, but what I am saying is that I believe that, that it is the process of becoming a Christian is not a light switch. Um, it is, it, it's a light switch in the sense that you turn your mind to accepting what has already been stated as being yours. Mm -hmm. So John 3.16, for example, is something everybody's aware of. But I believe it's there to state a fact which you can either... Uh, uh, Internalize and Internalize and yeah. accept or incorporate into your life, or you can just disregard so it. So it sort of, in a way, goes back to what you were saying before in terms of, let's say you found out you were, you were royalty, you either accept yeah. that as a thing... Right, or, or, or you continue to live the way that, the way that you want to live. And that's and it's, it's, it's no judgment call from my, me mm -hmm. on, on whether you've made the right choice or the, the wrong choice, you know... I guess, yeah, I mean, maybe that's not the right way to say it. I would say, I think you've made the wrong choice, but I think you have the right to make the wrong choice. Well, yes, right? and that, I think that's very scriptural. Yeah, so... <laughs> I think it is, because yeah. it, it, it's like, the fact that it's a choice was always kind of what was appealing to me. Right. Um, and I, I want to come back to that, but I want to... What I am getting at is that what I've come around to is that that initial sinner's prayer that I said... Right. It, it created an emotional difference in my life, but it took years for me to internalize Christianity. Yeah, yeah. It took years for me to internalize what Christ's message actually was because I was surrounded by people who were satisfied to seek emotionally tantalizing mm -hmm. experiences. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of those people have, have come to similar positions to me at this point. I don't pass judgment on them. I don't think that they're stupid. But as, as a cerebral individual, I couldn't be satisfied with that. Because I went to so many charismatic meetings where I just stood around and stared in disbelief, thinking to myself... I can't be a Christian. Based on? This. Okay. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. So, so there's a, it's, it's been very important for you to have like a level of integrity and, and honesty with yourself about what you're actually. Yeah. Like, for example, early on, I threw out the doctrine of the rapture. Okay. Probably... 1997, somewhere around there, uh, I became a believer in around 1993, 1994, and three, four years later, after I had read through the Bible a couple times, I was like, 
this isn't in here. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, it's just not in here. The, yeah, and, that, and there's a few examples like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I've given them the benefit of the doubt. I've I've read all kinds of books and all mm -hmm. of that. Like you know, like your joke that you posted about the fifty things to know that you're you've been in the evangelical church. You know, you can determine. Or you can decipher between pre-trib and mid-trib or post-trib or whatever yeah, those pre, things. Yeah, pre yeah I mean, I yeah. can do that. I don't believe in any of them. Right. But I can do that. Right. Um, so if you... For all my Pentecostal listeners, that's going to be hard to swallow, but I love them. Um, yeah, I don't want to come back to that too. <laughs> sort, of, sort of. But so if you... Now, this is sort of a tough one. And again, yeah. it's sort of a, just too big of a question in, in some ways. Sure. But let's say in the last 12 months, in the last year or two years, have there been moments, days, weeks, where you just completely doubt the existence of everything you believe? Do you have moments of going like, none of this is real? I've either convinced myself I'm a product of my, of my family, I'm a product of where I live in the world. Do you have those moments? Or is it, or when you're, let's say, down or struggling, is it more of like, you just you just question everything surrounding it, but you never question the very, like, existence of God. This is going to sound like bullshit, but I'd say in the last... The last couple of years, I haven't really had that kind of a thought, like, like that it's all fraudulent or that God doesn't exist or things like that. Um, and I've... I still have moments of anxiety, like really high anxiety. I still have moments of depression, um, exhaustion. I still get sick and, and feel like crap and whatnot. And, but my doubts these days have more to do with things like my career path and like really what I feel are more mundane doubts. Yeah. And I think I, I would equate a lot of this sort of stability in my perception um, to uh, addressing mental health issues. Okay. That it, now, that's not to say that I'm right, and that's not to say that, uh, that if you address mental health issues, you'll believe in God. That's, that's not what I'm saying. Right. But I, I would say that, like, the evangelical experience of ups and downs of as your your post talked alluded to you know feeling guilty for not reading the bible enough mm -hmm. and all of that kind of stuff yeah that is a a product of a certain kind of spirituality which i've rejected so because i don't think about God or the Bible the same way anymore. I don't think of it as being about my, you know, like, for example, the, the whole concept of being on fire for Jesus, I feel is absolutely, utterly irrelevant in every way, shape or form, because it has always been on the, ins this insistence that I need to try harder Mm -hmm. without saying I need to try harder because that would be not biblical. Right. Right. 
So it's this roundabout way of elevating the individual's ego and efforts and power to like really great heights all at the same time that we're telling ourselves that we're elevating Jesus right to these great heights and I think that's why you you see untold thousands of songs that talk about how I'm going to worship Jesus I'm going to worship the Lord today I'm going I'm going it's like you don't have to tell me you know now on the other hand I, I totally I recognize that there is a place to declare I'm going to get a job. I'm going to try harder today. I'm just saying that I don't think that that declaration deserves the place that it has in evangelical theology. I think it's like really minor and it's been elevated to a point of being I think creating huge emotional problems and psychological unrest. Don't think it's actually healthy for people to believe that God will only receive their worship if they are amped Mm -hmm. or feeling up, etc. I think, in fact, it's really counter to biblical any biblical interpretation you might take. It's really tough to come to that conclusion when you read the Bible. When you read Jesus' words about blessed are those who are persecuted. Blessed are those who, you know, don't have anything, essentially, or this or that. Yeah, I I remember, like, (laughs) questioning at one point why the the verse about praying in secret is, is, like, never really talked about that much. In my experience. Right, yeah. So in those circles, a lot of things have to be suppressed. A lot of mm-hmm. things have to be downplayed. At the, ta- at the same time that they're arguing that there are no contradictions in Scripture, they're arguing against it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's weird. Yeah. No, I know it is. And it, like even another facet of that was when, I, and this is, again, just my experience, but when people yeah. would sit around and, and say prayer requests... When really it was more just like a chance to like gossip, gossip or or just even vent about their own life, not maybe not necessarily about other people's, but it was sort of like if you want to just talk about what's going on, just talk about what's going on. You don't need to say like, please pray for me because I. That's why I don't like small groups. Yeah, the, the same here. I, I used to struggle with that, but um, so if you if you uh, if if God was sitting here. Mm-hmm manifested physically and he, he would he says okay Aaron I'm, I have, I'll answer two questions for you mm-hmm. like I'll answer them like like I'll answer them <laughs> it's not not like in time or down the road or no is an answer I will actually like do you have any questions that I, I was thinking about two questions but do you have any questions that pop into your head first thing that you just would like first thing ask him <laughs> I I don't know I think, and again, this is going to sound kind of like BS or cocky or something, but I don't really know that I would ask questions. I don't know. I feel like... Like, I'm not saying they even have to be, like, 
vague questions, just any questions, yeah. and nothing pops to. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not criticizing. Oh, tons of tons of questions pop into mind. But I'm not criticizing your answer. I'm just. I'm just wondering. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I believe that if that were to happen, it would be Jesus that I'd be talking to because that's who I believe is the. Like I, I personally hold like an old school Orthodox view that Jesus is still fully God, fully man. Mm, okay. Not that he is some ethereal spirit. Right. And so, yeah, I, I think that I would, I would ask him whether he still eats fish and things like that. Like I would probably so kind of just hang out. Yeah, I think I would ask kind of jackass questions. At the same time, that I would probably. You know, if I think that, you know, it's one thing to say, oh, yeah, I'd, I'd be like, hey, dude, what's up? I think that in reality, I'd probably be crapping my pants. I think yeah. any of us would be if we I had know, an experience like that. It's sort of a weird question because it's, it's, it's such a, like, how do you put yourself in that position? It's kind right. of a tough one, but, um, yeah, so... One thing I kind of wanted to say uh, is that, like, I think it's kind of my litmus test now for people of faith or, or people that, you know, are open about their faith or uh, talk about it at least somewhat yeah. is how accepting they are of my positions or not even my positions because I'm not that I'm not that loud and proud about them because because yeah. I don't even really fully understand them yet and and. You know, I don't, it's, I just would always rather deal in, in concrete things like actions or, yeah. you know. It's almost, I, I mean, I'm just making an assumption, but it's almost like you, you, you want to have the right to not. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I something. think so. In some ways, at least in terms of how I relate to others. Like mm. I have very, I have very strong feelings in my, in my gut that I can't even really put words to. So how do you explain that to somebody? Especially if you're not sure they're open to hearing it. Yeah. But, I, but I always think it's very important to, like, it to me, it sort of takes, I'm, I'm uncomfortable taking a friendship to a next level if someone's okay with me not answering those questions, or, or, or if I do, they're okay with them being different than theirs, yeah. which, is what, which is what I've really appreciated about our conversations, because, like, obviously, if you if you have a, your faith, you believe it's, it's, you believe it's right, otherwise it, why, it wouldn't matter to you, yeah. right? But there's still a sense of, like, I can coexist with these people that don't necessarily hold the same beliefs as me. Um, right. Even within, even within church circles, like, you know, am I going to be as patient and, and, uh, loving to someone that, that won't shut up about being on fire for Jesus? You know what I mean? Or, or an atheist or someone that, um, a Buddhist or whatever you want to say. Um, anyways, I just yeah. think it's very important. And it's, I mean, it says a lot to me when someone's accepting, Maybe not of the beliefs, but of the people. Like, there's a, that there's that distinction there. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I mean, like, for me personally, like, I think we had this conversation before we did the One Big Question podcast, maybe, about ideas and not being scared of ideas. Mm -hmm. It was a, I think it was like a G.K. Chesterton quote or something from, like, the 19... Early 1900s, but anyways, that's an important concept that I've internalized. But 
all it does for me is it, it helps me to like talk to other somewhat reasonable people. It doesn't help me with people who are emotionally unstable mm-hmm. or people who are just looking for a fight yeah. or that kind of thing. No, I'm still not, like there's not much to be found there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And for me that's just about respect of myself. Yeah. Like yeah, and your certain, boundaries and... certain relationships there's just no point pursuing. Yeah. No, you could spend your whole life doing that and it would yeah. yeah. So that's where I I I take issue with people who are very like, you know, um uh what do you call it? They have like these kumbaya ideas of the world like we're all gonna yeah like get along with each other someday love, like yeah, yeah it's yeah. like well what, what about all the idiots yeah like, exactly or <laughs> the fact that i think other people are idiots while people are thinking that i'm an idiot so it's yeah. not even like it's all subjective right right so it's like there's no there's no this know. is why every time somebody's tried to set up that utopia that's what i'm getting right at. right that's why a lot of people have been mass murdered. Yeah, exactly, I think. Exactly, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. like they're sitting around in their boardroom going, "Okay, who are the idiots?" Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Generally, it's those guys. Okay. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna deal with that. Get rid of them. So, last question I have, and it's sort of I don't mean it to be dark, but it, yeah, I actually think it's very telling, or or for me, I've thought about it a lot. I should say, once you once you've died. Mm-hmm. And your family's, you know, left behind, or or your friends and people that you've loved. What what do you want your your spiritual legacy to be? Like what what kind of mark do you want to leave in that way? Um. Well, what I'm hoping is that, for example, if I'm thinking about Macy, my oldest daughter, I want her to think of me as the kind of person who didn't try to instill paranoia in her life, didn't try to uh, create fears in her life, knowing personally that fear naturally exists. I don't believe it needs to be inflamed. Mm-hmm. And I want her to, I mean, really, to be honest, I want her to pursue Jesus. But I want her to do that without being fettered by the same kind of baggage that I had. And I, and I want her to be able to pick up, you know, the Quran or something like that without feeling like she's doing something dirty. Yeah. Like her hands are going to burn. Yeah. 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 You know, I want her to, to be able to remember me and feel as though she's got that moral strength, so to speak to search mm-hmm. and to question and to f- to process doubt and and know that her dad wouldn't have been judging her. Mm-hmm. 
So you kind of get that's a, kind of important to me. Yeah, and I think that's sort of if I could, if I could have made that kind of an impression on the people I know that that there's hope even in the midst of experiencing life the way that I have, uh, you know, in the darker aspects. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. That's important to me. That's pretty, that's pretty cool to me. You know, no. I'm not deluded enough to think, well, I want people to think that I was a man of great integrity who didn't do anything wrong etc yeah because that's just not that's not the legacy i'm going to be able to leave well it's not realistic for anybody, really <laughs> yeah other than it's like manufactured and, and yeah 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 i curated like i like the thought that living more with my with 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 it all hanging out to a certain degree yeah. um gives people permit permission to like work through their issues if I'm on their memory, if I'm in, in their yeah. recollection, yeah. to be like, yeah, Aaron was kind of a, a, a sketchy, uh, spaz kind of a person for uh, a number of years, and uh, he still loved me, or whatever. Or he still seemed to have hope. Yeah. And also gave me the freedom to sort of search and... Yeah. 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 Awesome. awesome. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate it. It's uh, there's. I mean, honestly, there's probably about another three hours that we could talk about because I want you know there's other stuff I'd like to know, but maybe another time because I'm sure it'll comes it'll come up. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, again, learn something new and you know, I, I like I like purposeful conversations because the stuff doesn't always come up. Lots of sometimes it does, but not always in a natural way. Um, yeah, you know, so I think it's well, it's like you know, like everybody thinks about their death. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at some point, yeah, it's, it's there, and if it's not, it's because you're you've suppressed it. Yeah, with yeah, something, right? Um, but it's it it feels like it's not the topic you should talk about with mm-hmm. people, and so things like this, I think we tend to like we either talk about it in a morbid way, and we make fun, and we talk make light of these things, or we like. We just go drinking or do something to distract our mind from yeah. these things when they're really before us. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. It's good to have people in your life that you can just, you know, say, hey, I think about these things. And this yeah, and that's like a really freeing thing because sometimes those thoughts can get really heavy to carry around. Yeah. Um, and that's why I do consider it a great gift when I do find someone that I can talk honestly about my beliefs with. Yeah. Because it is sort of, it does start to sort of become a lonely existence. Like, I've struggled even honestly getting to know you guys through Kimball. Like, you guys all have your faith in common. And so in some ways, I sort of feel like you did, you know, in youth group days where it's sort of like, you know, there's a language or there's like a, there's an unspoken bond there. But, but... I understand it because I've been there. I've, I've had those beliefs, but yeah. I do sort of it, it, like, I guess what I'm trying to say is the integrity that you talked about in terms of like, I'm going to be true to myself and I'm going to actually search and I'm going to figure this out for myself and I can't be dishonest. Like when those, when you see those people being uh, charismatic, I wish I could yeah. remember that word too that Laura Lee says, cause we used to yeah. say it all the time. 
Um, charismatic. Charismatic or ma- maniac or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, you just knew in your heart that you couldn't, like you couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't make the dots connect. And so that's yeah. That's, I kept saying to myself, you know what? If 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 Jesus were here, like in the Bible, uh, I don't know that people would be dancing around doing yeah. psycho stuff. I think people would be literally healed, etc. Yeah, so I'm like, why do I time, have to? Right? Why do I have to like force myself to get ecstatic? Yeah, like God should be able to make me ecstatic. So yeah. that's where that fell apart for me. Well, and it, like in lots of ways, it probably would have been easier for you to just go with the flow. And that's yeah. what I feel like now is is there's lots of areas in my life that would be easier or more comforting or like well, yeah, if if I just bandwagon jumping well if i no, not even that but if i could just sort of like gloss over the things that i've the conclusions i've come to so like for an example you know believing that god takes care of us like that's not something i believe anymore and that that's something that I came to after years and years and not lightly i really miss that I, I or i miss like let's say you know you guys get together and you pray about something or talk about something in relation to like struggles spiritually i that's something that I, that I miss out on, and that doesn't feel good. But I just can't be dishonest. Mm-hmm. Like I can't, I can't pretend. There's not like, which is more important to me, even though it's sometimes lonelier or more isolating or um, people don't understand. I just yeah. kind of hope that people still accept me for who I am, regardless of those things, because I can't be dishonest about it. And yeah. you know, and I'm open. I mean, who knows? My views may change. They have before. But I can't, it's more important to me to, for me to be who I am versus like to have, try to force those things. But it sucks because I, I do, I do miss a lot of the aspects of having a church family or, you know, believing that if someone prays for me that it's going to make a difference. Those sorts of things used to be very comforting for me. So anyway, um, no, I just really, I'd say that to say I appreciate the conversations and, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so yeah. Thanks. Thank you.